A couple of announcements to share with you this morning. Um, one is our uh, women of the word are going to start meeting again. They will start up this Thursday at 10 a.m. at the Gills House, just up the street here. For any information, uh, speak to or call Lisa Gill. And so uh, that's the Women of the Word. And that's Thursday at 10 a.m. This, this coming Thursday morning. And then the community group is also starting up this week. And we'll be starting Tuesday at 6 o'clock. We run our, our deal goes from 6 to 7. And uh, that meets at the Hapgoods, our house. And uh, we're, start, uh, we're just getting into the study of John. So uh, it's a, a good time to, to step in and, and join us, and uh, we'll be uh, looking forward to that. In the way of prayers this morning, uh, just a, a few updates uh, and uh, some new ones to add. One is for the scribers. Uh, continue to pray for Phil. He is being able to get around now. Uh, he gets up. He can move with his walker and get through the house and all, and so that's uh, beginning to show signs of improvement. Uh, however, uh, Arlene, uh, we need to keep her in prayer. She has started rehab uh, for her hip surgery. She had a par- heart partial hip replacement, and uh, she's now at the St. Joe's Extension at the General Hospital, and that's where she's going to be doing her rehab. So keep her in prayer that and the prayer is that the doctor and the rehab people can see exactly what she needs to do to be able to get around and, and get well as quick as possible. And uh, just be praying for the Scriber family as a whole. Uh, Sarah Tosti's uh, dad, his name is Don, had a severe heart attack uh, uh, a few weeks ago. And he is at home, but he's recovering, and there's been severe damage. And so uh, we want to pray for his healing. And so that's uh, Sarah Tosti's dad, Don. Um, I think that's uh, it on our uh, prayer request. And uh, is there any... That, oh, that's right. Uh, uh, let's see, I didn't, I didn't see where you wrote it down. Oh, okay. Uh, Brad's mom, okay. Uh, Georgia has tested positive for COVID. Uh, and so we want to pray for healing and uh, that it remains minor. It seems to be minor. She's had her vac- uh, vaccines and all that kind of stuff. So hopefully this is just going to be a, a brief encounter and be done with it. So uh, we just pray for Brad's mom. Any others that we need to pray for? They've seemed to have been a lot more frequent lately. Any others? Okay, well, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come to your throne, to bring our needs before you, to plead your mercy and your grace on all of these situations, for your healing hand in the scribes' family and Brad's family, his mom specifically. This will be just a brief encounter with the 
COVID, and uh, we pray for Sarah's dad that there will just be a full, complete healing, even to the point we don't hesitate to pray for a miraculous healing, that damage done will be restored. And for the scribers, very specifically, we pray for Arlene, that you would just touch her body, bring strength, bring healing, uh, that she would get through this uh, rehab uh, just amazingly. I, the, the, the rehab people and the doctor would stand back and just be amazed at what you do through her, Lord. And we confidently leave these people in your hands, knowing, Lord, that you have said you care, that we're to bring our needs before you, and we just we confidently leave them in your hands. Father, we also come and, and as we open your word, we ask that you open our minds and our hearts to receive from you this morning. That your Holy Spirit will work in us in such a way that our minds and our hearts will be strengthened in our walk with you, our witness for you. And Lord, that we would just know that we know that we have that personal relationship with you that can't be touched by the world. Thank you. In Jesus' name. This morning we're continuing to uh, go through what some people would call the Lord's Prayer. It's as His high priestly prayer is most commonly what it's referred to. It's found in John chapter 17. And we started last week in going through it. And uh, last week we looked at the first five verses where Jesus prays for uh, His glory to be restored. Uh, in verse 4 uh, of, of John 17, he says, I, glorif- I glorified you on earth. He got Jesus praying to the Father. He says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you have give, gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. And we can get a glimpse of that if you... Uh, Look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. I'm not going to go and read them all, but it basically says that Jesus emptied himself. What it is, is it says, basically, he set his glory aside, and, and he came to earth as a man, a hundred, truly a man, God in the flesh. And, and in doing so, uh, as he went through all that he came to do, which was to reveal God the Father and his heart, ultimately through the cross, and to bring salvation to us, it says that, that at that point God restored him, exalted him with a name above all names that every knee should bow and every tongue confess. And, and that's the, the glory that Jesus is speaking of to have restored. And so he's looking uh, ahead to that as he prays. And so this is his prayer for himself. You notice he doesn't pray, remove the cross from me. He, he's there to go through it. He just, he, he, he's there to, to, to accomplish this. And he basically says he's accomplished all that God has set out for him as if the cross had been done. But then you'll realize God looks at it from the beginning to the end and he sees it all. And before the beginning of time, it was established that there would be the need for the cross. And so he, he has known this and, and now going through this, He's ready to accomplish it. And note that this is just hours before the Friday that he, uh, the, the, the Garden of Gethsemane and the Friday that he's arrested. And so this is uh, 
just an awesome prayer. You really begin to see his heart here. Between this and the Garden of Gethsemane prayer, you really get close to the heart of Jesus. So last week we looked at those first five verses. Today we're going to be looking at verses 16, or 6 through 19. And where this, this focus is on Jesus praying for his disciples. And uh, so I think the, the best thing to do would be to, to read the verses in context and then we'll go through them together. Jesus is praying, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. These people he's referring to are the disciples. The people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me. Recall that Jesus said, I say nothing but what the Father has revealed to me to say to you. And so he's, you know, he's making this very clear. And it says, you know, I have given them the words you have give, that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and that they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world. And I want you to note that there's a transition here. It's almost like he's speaking from the other side of the cross, uh, in a sense, which he is able to do from, because of who he is. And he says, I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. Who is he referring to? The disciples. They are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name with you, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. And not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled, referring to Judas. But now I am coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may, be, uh, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. He starts off with, he says, I have manifested, uh, this is in the English Standard Version, he says, I have manifested your name to the people, to the disciples whom you have given me out of the world. To manifest means more than just to speak. It's to declare with a, an emphasis on clarity and understanding. I have made clear to them. I have declared to them. Uh, I've clearly made known to them 
that, uh, you know, who you are. Uh, and, and so he says, I've made your name that just absolutely clear to them. And this is an essential part of his mission. Think in John chapter 1, verse 18, where it says that only Jesus is, has declared who the Father is. No one has seen the Father but the Son. And only Jesus has declared who He is. And that was His purpose. To declare the Father and the love of the Father to the world. And ultimately, like I said a few moments ago, through the cross. There is an interesting thing that happens here. Uh, I want to draw your attention to it. I stopped at verse 19 because verse 20 makes another transition. It, it sparks, speaks in a more general way, and actually, it's, it, it, most people look at it that, are, that study this and have written about it, look at it and say, he's been talking to the disciples, now he talks to all of us in the future. So he's even praying for us, us in this room. He's prayed for us at this prayer, at this point, at this time. Now, that's an amazing thing to think about. And... Yet, verse 20 says, I do not ask for these, my disciples, only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Now, when he put it this way, and the conjunction is there to tie these two sentences together, I do not ask for these only, but also for those, implies that the prayer he has just prayed for the disciples is in reference to us as well. In other words, He is praying for us and the disciples all the way through this. It's an amazing picture. God has prayed for us. And, and, and this at the end of the, the supper, and, and then you just think, hours before the cross, He prayed for each of us. What an amazing picture. And like I said, he'd made, he's made clear to the disciples who the Father is and, and His name. And uh, I look at this and, and, and you know, you say uh, it, it's the, the part of His mission is, is, is what He's come to do. And, and I think about how He's done this. And verse 8 gives some information. He says, I have given them this is how I've done this. I've, I've declared you to them. I have given them the words that you gave me. And they have received them and have come to know in the truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I pointed out that in verse 11 he says, And I am no longer in the world. Uh, you know, it's, uh, but now I am coming to you, verse 13. It's this picture of, of, of who Jesus is. He's looking to all of this as a whole. And again, it sometimes gets confusing because he's literally able to see, again, the beginning and the end all together. And so, as he's looking at all of this, he's saying, I've revealed the Father to you. I've brought the disciples to you. They have believed. They have received. And now... I'm no longer in the world. Meaning, it's a reference actually to his ascension. I've come to you. Uh, he said in verse 13, but now I'm coming to you. What he's concerned about is, he says, I'm not going to be physically with them now. 
And so his prayer is for God to keep them in his name, to protect them, to preserve them. Notice he says, uh, well, let's just look at verse 14. Uh, he says, I have given them your word. The world has hated them because they, did not, uh, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. That tells you right off that as people become involved in Christ, they start to follow Christ as they are saved, the world is no longer their home. Well, what happens when we accept Jesus Christ? We become part of the kingdom of God. And while it's not fully completed yet, we are already in it. We're no longer, Paul, Peter makes it clear, we're not citizens of the world anymore. We're citizens of heaven. And the world looks at us differently. And the world, generally speaking, rejects what Christianity believes in. The world hates them, he says, because they, they, they have hated me. Uh, they are not of this world, just like I'm not of this world. And he makes it very clear in verse 15. He says, I'm not asking you to, to take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. What's the phrase that we're more commonly think about here? We're in the world, but not of the world. Okay? This is what he is basically saying. They're in the world, but they're not of it. They're of us, Lord. Father, they're of us. Keep them, preserve them, protect them. And then he's very specific. He says, keep them from the evil one. And the evil one is exactly who you think it is. It's Satan. And I'm not going to do a, a, an extensive message on, on anything in, in reference to Satan other that during this time, Satan is still allowed to have authority in this world. He doesn't have final authority. He's never had final authority over anything. Go back to the story of Job. He's, he, he's under the sovereignty of God. But because of sin and the fall of a man and the curse on, uh, on, on the earth, he has had freedom to roam the earth. He's called uh, Prince of the Power of the Air in Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, he's the ruler of this world in John chapter 12, verse 31. And so we realize that, that he has authority. He has the ability to deceive and to go about and to torment and to do the various things that he would do to keep Christians from fulfilling their work and to torment, literally, uh, the rest of the world. And... and so we have this picture of, of trying to keep us, what, and, and in deception even within the framework of the church itself, when he can. Uh, I was just, uh, one of the things that was mentioned in an article that I was reading about this was just the simple teaching that we have to somehow do certain things for our salvation to be intact. Oh, well, we must attend church every Sunday. 
In fact, there are people who believe that, that attending church every Sunday is what saves them. Or that I must tithe. So I tithe. Even if I don't come to church on a regular basis, I would still tithe because I believe that's what saves me. And I've known people who are resting in these kinds of words. I do good. Uh, I, I, I serve in the, in the rescue mission. I do this. I do that. I help the, the, the hungry on the street. And all of these different things that Christians are called to do because we rest in grace and in Christ. They are, they are our work. They are our ministry. They are the things that we are to do. But they in themselves don't save us. It is Jesus Christ who saves us through the cross in His blood and alone. That is it. No one comes but to the Father but through Jesus Christ. That's it. And, and so it's, it's claiming Christ as our Savior. It's knowing Him as the Son of God. It's knowing His bodily, physical resurrection from the grave three days after the cross. These are the things that we hang on to that call it, that make us who we are. And they are in the process, Paul makes it clear when he speaks in Romans, that it should be transforming our mind. And if these things have happened, if the Holy Spirit has come in you, if you have been saved, your mind is going to be transformed. Not the same rate as everybody else's. We're all at different points of... Of, uh, in our lives when we come. I've had people stand outside a church and say, oh, look, that person just lit up. He can't be saved as he lights up a cigarette. Well, I'm already wondering now if that's a category. You, smoking people can't be saved. I, I used to smoke, but I quit, so I must be saved. Uh, you know, uh, those, those aren't the criteria that God put forth. He made, that person may need to quit smoking. Yes, I, I don't have an argument with that. And I, and I have a, an agreement that I think it weakens sometimes your testimony. But maybe that's not what God is working on right now that needs to happen for him to quit smoking. Different things happen at different times. There's different things out there that need to be uh, dealt with that happen in the right time through the Holy Spirit that you come along at the pace that God has set for you. And in our diversity, we come together and we encourage one another to fight the battle and to walk the walk. And we'll get into that in a minute. Well, I guess we won't. Maybe next week. Uh, but uh, what I'm trying to say is, is that this picture is, is just that we're in the world. We're not of it because we are of Christ. And when we are of Christ, the world looks at us and sees that we handle things differently. We handle death and mourning differently. We handle, uh, you know, the the things of, of of day to day frustration differently. We handle the ups and downs of daily life differently because we rest in Christ and we know that we have something that can't be taken from us. We are saved. That's the joy that God has put in us. We have peace with God. And so as a result, I know these things are temporary. And so for me to live is Jesus Christ. But when I die, I gain. I can't lose. The worst thing the world can do to me is to kill me. 
from their perspective, and I win. So the Lord in this prayer, He says, protect them, preserve them while they are here. Preserve them from the evil one. From his attacks. And again he says in in verse 16, like me, they're not of the world. Now verses 17 and 18, very important verses. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Uh, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they may be sanctified in truth. I am not going to cover that today. I'm going to cover those verses next week. They're a complete sermon in and of themselves. In fact, as I go through this, you're going to say, well, why didn't he talk about this? Or why didn't he talk about that? We're only giving five messages to this chapter, not because we want to fully explain it to you, but we want you to to get an idea of what it's about, captivate your interest. It might be something you want to further study on your own, but we'll give you the base, the foundation to work with on that. And there are volumes written on this. There are books, when I say volumes, I normally think of thick books, written just on this chapter of John. And so, there's a tremendous amount here. And no matter how much you know about the Lord, there's more you can learn about just in this chapter alone. What I want you to see here is that Jesus is praying for us. Jesus is our high priest. He has interceded for us. He has prayed for us. In a few hours, Jesus is going to be arrested. He's going to be mocked. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be tried three times with, uh, you know, by the, the, the high priest in the Sanhedrin. He's going to be tried by Herod. He's going to be tried by Pilate. And then He's going to be put to death. Disciples are going to be scattered in fear of their own lives. Left to their own strengths and abilities, this would be the end. But what Jesus has prayed is that God will intervene and He will sustain them. He is calling for a supernatural sustaining of them. And by the way, what did I tell you when we go to verse 20? This is prayer for us too. God has provided a supernatural sustaining for us. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Can I do it in my own strength? I would fail miserably. In fact, I don't know how many times uh, I I recall the the illustration of of the guy driving the car himself and when we become uh, saved, you know, Jesus takes the wheel. And I used to say, I'm supposed to take the back seat. But there's too many back seat drivers. So I take the side seat. But, but the idea is, is that there are, you know, Jesus is in charge. He, how many times I scoot over and I try to grab the steering wheel. Because I'm looking ahead in the flesh, not thinking about it. And God will reveal to me 
through fellowship, through a friend in Christ, through His Word as I read it, through prayer, and various other ways that He can reveal it, that this is what needs to happen. You need to step back. And you realize, okay, Lord, You're in control now. And God strengthens us. And He grows in us. And He grows us in Him a little bit more. Through all the circumstances, even when we fail, we get blessed through His intervention. If we were left to our own strength and our own abilities, it wouldn't work. And that's what Jesus saw. And so that's why He is praying this prayer for us and for the disciples. Jesus prayed for them. And I, and I wrote down here, this is the picture is that the Lord, He saves us, He protects us, and He preserves us. That is why Paul can write in Romans chapter 8, and this is verses that some of you have memorized over the years, uh, that how, what God is to us and what He is doing for us. And I'm going to read a lot, uh, the, the whole passage uh, this morning. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? What it, and the things he's talking about is all the things that God has done for us as believers. We're heirs with Christ and, we're, uh, and, and we are not condemned. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. All these things that he said. He says, if, if this is what is true, then, then what shall we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? I think that's a good question. If God is for you, who can be against you? The God of all creation has is, is got a hold of you. He's your provider, sustainer, defender, preserver. He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Because He's called us His children. We are children of God. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is, it, who, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the, is the one who died more than that, He was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Can those things separate us? No. Look at verse 37. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things, or present, uh, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation. That includes Satan, demonic, anything. Nothing. All things in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Nothing can separate. Amen. I look at this picture of Jesus as our high priest. 
and I, I hesitate to do this because there's so much going with this, but I want to at least touch on it to the point that you see it. In Hebrews chapter 9, Jesus is talked about as the high priest, uh, and, and he's not the priest uh, following after the Levitical priesthood. He's from a different priesthood. Does anybody recall the priesthood that Jesus is from? Melchizedek. I heard, it, I heard at least two of you. Melchizedek. Go back into Genesis and, and, and you'll, you'll see Abraham giving a tenth of his spoils to the high priest Melchizedek from, from the city of Salem. And he's the, king, he's the prince of peace. <laughs> it's, it's a powerful picture. Jesus is the high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. This is an order before the foundation of the world that is, is understood. And, and he, he is, as, as high priest, he is the one who prays for us. He intercedes for us. Uh, let me share this with you. In, in Hebrews chapter 9, it says, When Christ appeared as high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. This is a the temple in heaven. It says, He entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats. That's how the old, you know, in the Old Testament, the high priest had to make the sacrifice for himself before he could go into the holy of holies. And only he could go and only once a year. And it says, that, you know, by the, the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption for us. He has secured redemption for us. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Jesus is our salvation. He is our High Priest. He sits at the right hand of God and He intercedes for all of us. Every need, every, every bump in the road, every moment is covered through the love of Jesus Christ. The love of the Father. And the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is there to secure us and to give us the confidence and to teach us and to guide us as we open the Word, it's not an inappropriate thing to say, Holy Spirit, open my heart and my mind as I read Your Word today. I just want to read this one more passage out of, of chapter 9. Starts in the middle of the ninth verse, or the twenty-sixth verse. It says, "But as it is, Jesus has appeared once for all, at the end of the ages, to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself." As we start to prepare for our minds for the moment for communion, this is this is the worship that we bring to this. This is the thought that we bring to this. He has uh, died once. And after that, you know, it, 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 he's died, excuse me, once and for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, 
And after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with the sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. That's us. The ones He prayed for hours before the cross. What an awesome Savior we have. awesome God we have. How we are loved. As we share in communion this morning, keep those thoughts in mind. Yes, it's an opportunity to reflect on on our relationship with the Lord and things that have interfered with that, asking forgiveness, uh, searching our hearts and and our minds, our souls. Uh, about things in our lives and, and, and committing things to the, the Lord, but it's also a time of rejoicing, thanksgiving, and celebration. It's a guarantee. He's coming again, and we are part of that. I'd ask the worship team to come to sing a song at, uh, as we, we worship and share together. Because of the COVID, we're not passing the, the tray uh, around. And so we have uh, either the packet, which has the, the cup and the bread together in it that way, or we have the cup here that is got two, actually two cups. One is got the bread in it, and then the, 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 next, the top cup has the, the juice. You separate them like that, and you have the bread in the cup. And... Uh, Whichever one you're most comfortable with, uh, choose, and we'll share communion in a few moments. And you'll have to come up here to get it. When I fear my faith will fail Christ will hold me fast when the depths of wood prevail. He will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path. For my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. Those who saves are His delight. Christ will hold me fast, precious in His holy sight. He will hold me fast. He'll not let my soul be lost. His promises shall last. But by Him at such a cost, He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me 
Jesus will hold me fast. Justice has been satisfied. He will hold me fast. Praise with hands to endless life. He will hold me fast. Till our faith is turned aside. When he comes at last, he will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior will love me so. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold So he will hold me fast. My Savior loves me so he will hold me fast. He doesn't let go. He's constant. The Gospel of Mark, the recording of the uh, introduction of the Last Supper is given to us. Mark writes, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and he drank of it. He said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. So he took the bread, he gave thanks, he shared it with them, and now let's do that together in remembrance of him. And again, he said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Let us share it in remembrance of him. He goes on, truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you. We could open your word this morning. How awesome it is to know that in the midst of your trial, as you were even approaching the Garden of Gethsemane and the agony of that and looking ahead to the cross, you prayed for us. How much you love us. Thank you. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for pointing out all of these different things that we can come to a God who loves, who cares who is with us through all the trials and tribulations of a fallen world. And when we have that rough time where we think, how could God allow this to happen? Help us to remember all of these things that are going negatively are a consequence of of a fallen world. What we have is that reality that you have a hold of us. You have a fast hold on us. 
And we can have that confidence that absolutely nothing can separate us from Him. Nothing created can come between you and us. Our salvation is secure. Thank you. We worship you. We praise you. Go with us now. Cause us to celebrate daily the love and the grace that you have bestowed on us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we close? We had a worship song together. Thank you for being here this morning. There's a treasure great in beauty, far surpassing earth's great wealth. And He is Jesus, Prince of glory, source of all grace, peace, and health. There's a fountain ever flowing, satisfying all who drink. He is Jesus, spring of joy. Swallow hail him as their king. There's a power, holy power, breaking bonds of captive men. He is Jesus, mighty Jesus, holy warrior and sinner's friend. There's a Savior, rich in mercy, quick to pardon all our sins. He is Jesus, great Redeemer, reconciling God and man. There's a glorious Lord returning, and all will bow to Him alone. He is Jesus, King of nations, reigning from His gracious throne. There is one to whom all praise is, well, through every age of sin, He is Jesus, King forever, whose wondrous rule will never end. Amen. Lord bless. Have a wonderful day. It's beautiful out.